The Phantom Tollbooth by Norton Juster. Chapter 6 Faintly Macabre's Story. Once upon a time, this land was a barren and frightening wilderness whose high rocky mountains sheltered the evil winds and whose barren valleys offered hospitality to no man. Few things grew, and those that did were bent and twisted, and their fruit was as bitter as wormwood. What wasn't waste was desert, and what wasn't desert was rock and the demons of darkness made their home in the hills. Evil creatures roamed at will through the countryside and down to the sea. It was known as the Land of Nall. Then one day a small ship appeared on the Sea of Knowledge. It carried a young prince seeking the future. In the name of goodness and truth, he laid claim to all the country and set to explore his new domain. The demons, monsters, and giants were furious at his presumption and band together to drive him out. The earth shook with their battle, and when they had finished, all that remained to the prince was a small piece of land at the edge of the sea. I'll build my city here, he declared, and that is what he did. Before long, more ships came bearing settlers for the new land, and the city grew and pushed its boundaries farther and farther out. Each day it was attacked anew, but nothing could destroy the prince's new city, and grow it did. Soon, it was no longer just a city. It was a kingdom, and it was called the Kingdom of Wisdom. But outside the walls, all was not safe, and the new king vowed to conquer the land that was rightfully his. So each spring, he set forth with his army, and each autumn, he returned, and year by year, the kingdom grew larger and more prosperous. He took to himself a wife, and before long had two fine young sons, whom he taught everything he knew, so that one day they may rule wisely. When the boys grew to young manhood, the king called to them and said, I am becoming an old man and can no longer go forth to battle. You must take my place and found new cities in the wilderness, for the kingdom of wisdom must grow. And so they did. One went south to the foothills of confusion and built Dictionopolis, the city of words. And one went north to the mountains of ignorance and built Digitopolis, the city of numbers. Both cities flourished mightily, and the demons were driven back still further. Soon other cities and towns were founded in the new lands, and at last only the farthest reaches of the wilderness remained to these terrible creatures. And there they waited, ready to strike down all who ventured near or relaxed their guard. The two brothers were glad, however, to go their separate ways, for they were by nature very suspicious and jealous. Each one tried to outdo the other, and they worked so hard and diligently at it before long their cities rivaled when wisdom, even wisdom and size and grandeur. 
Words are more important than wisdom, said one privately. <clears throat> Numbers are more important than wisdom, thought the other to himself. And they grew to dislike one another more and more. The old king, however, who knew nothing of his son's animosity, was very happy in the twilight of his reign, and spent his days quietly walking and contemplating in the royal gardens. His only regret was that he'd never had had a daughter, for he loved little girls as much as he loved little boys. And one day, as he was strolling peacefully about the grounds, he discovered two tiny babies that had been abandoned in a basket under the grape arbor. They were beautiful, golden-haired girls. The king was overjoyed. They had been sent to crown my old age, he cried, and called his queen, his ministers, the palace staff, and indeed the entire population to see them. We'll call this one rhyme and this one reason, he said, and so they became the princesses of sweet rhyme and the princess of sweet reason, and they were brought up pure in the palace. When the old king finally died, the kingdom was divided between his two sons, with the provision that they would be equally responsible for the welfare of the young princesses. One son went south and became the Azaz and became the Azaz of the unabridged king of Dictionopolis, and the other went north and became the mathemagician, ruler of Dig- Digitopolis. And true to their words, they both provided well for the little girls who continued to live in wisdom. Everyone loved the princesses because of their great beauty, their gentle ways, and their ability to settle all controversies fairly and reasonably. People with problems or grievances or arguments came from all over the land to seek advice. And even the two brothers, who by this time were fighting continuously, often called upon them to help decide matters of state. It was said by everyone that rhyme and reason answer all problems. As the years passed, the two brothers grew farther and farther apart, and their separate kingdoms became richer and grander. Their disputes, however, became more and more difficult to reconcile. But always, with patience and love, the princesses set things right. Then one day they had the most terrible quarrel of all. King Azaz insisted that words were far more significant than numbers, and hence his kingdom was truly the greater. And the mathemagician claimed that numbers were much more important than words, and hence his kingdom was supreme. They discussed and debated and raved and ranted until they were on the verge of blows when it was decided to submit the question to attribution by the princesses. After days of careful consideration, in which all the evidence was weighed and all the witnesses heard, they made their decision. Words and numbers are of equal value, for in the cloak of knowledge, one is wrap and the other woof. 
It is no more important to count the sands than it is to name the stars. Therefore, let both kingdoms live in peace. Everyone was pleased with the verdict. Everyone, that is, but the brothers, who were beside themselves with anger. What good are these girls if they cannot settle an argument in someone's favor, they growled, since both were more interested in their own advantage than in truth. We'll banish them from the kingdom forever. And so they were taken from the palace and sent far away to the castle in the air, and they have not been seen since. That is why today in all this land there is neither rhyme nor reason. And what happened to the two rulers? asked Milo. Banishing the two princesses was the last thing they ever agreed upon, and they soon fell to wearing with each other. Despite this, their own kingdoms have continued to prosper, but the old city of wisdom has fallen into great despair, and there is no one to set things right. So you see, until the princesses return, I shall have to stay here. Maybe we can rescue them, said Milo, as he saw how sad the witch looked. Ah, oh, that would be difficult, she replied. The castle in the air is far from here, and the one stairway which leads to it is guarded by fierce and black-hearted demons. Tot growled ominously, for he hated even the thought of demons. I'm afraid there's not much a little boy and a dog can do, she said. But never you mind, it's not that bad. I've, go I've grown quite used to it here. But you must be going or else you'll waste this whole day. Oh, well, we're here for six million years, sighed Milo, and I don't see any way to escape. Nonsense, scolded the witch. You mustn't take Officer Shrift so seriously. He loves to put people in prison, but he doesn't care about keeping them there. Now just press that button in the wall and be on your way. Milo pressed the button and the door swung open, letting in, letting in a shaft of bright sunlight. Goodbye, come again, shouted the witch as they stepped outside and the door slammed shut. Milo and Tox stood blinking in the bright light and their eyes became accustomed to it. The first thing they saw were the king's advisors again rushing toward them. Ah, there you are. Where have you been? We've been looking all over for you. The royal banquet is about to begin. Come with us. They seemed very agitated and out of breath as Milo walked along them. But what about my car? he asked. Don't need it, replied the duke. No use for it, said the minister. Superfluous advised the count. Unnecessary, stated the earl. Uncalled for, cried the undersecretary. We'll take our vehicle. Conveyance, rig, cherubank, chariot, buggy, coach, braham, chandradan, they repeated quickly in order and pointed to the small wooden wagon. Oh dear, all those words again, thought Milo, as he climbed into the wagon with Talk and the cabinet members. How are we going to make it move? It doesn't have a... Be very quiet, advised the Duke, for it goes without saying. 
and sure enough, as soon as they were all quite still, it began to move quickly through the streets, and with a very short time, they arrived at the royal palace.